Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today, we'll have industry experts with the insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news that impacts your agency and organization. Today, we'll have Dr. James Hill, Associate Professor of Computer Science at IUPUI. Good day, Dr. Hill. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for joining us today on our podcast. I think we have a lot of interesting things to talk about. Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad that you invited me. So recently, I, um, I did an article in CSO Online entitled Feds Tackle Open Source Code Quality. And I said tools available today typically generate too many false positives and miss security bugs that often expose vulnerabilities. What do you think? Why do you think that's the case? Why do you think they miss a lot of vulnerabilities and, and, and generate a lot of false positives? Well, I think it's actually uh, two parts to this problem. Um, the first is that it's definitely hard to um, to analyze source code, right? So what we're seeing in most systems today, they get more and more complex. Um, and the many states that the system has to get into, just trying to analyze that via statical analysis can be very, very hard, uh, especially if the tools aren't taking advantage of the latest additions at you know the hardware level in terms of, of you know, multi-cores where they can try to increase their, 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 their parallelism so they can, you know, can dive deeper into problems. Um, but there's a, a much more deeper issue in that you know, in the context of, of security, right, you rather um, say there's a potential problem and and be wrong than not say there's any problem and, and be wrong, right? So in that case of the, of the first example, you're kind of like a false positive. Um, in the second case, you're a false negative, right? You'd rather be a false positive than a false negative because just imagine if there was something really bad in the code and no one warned you about it, right? That's really, really bad. And so it, it better on their, their, um, for that code analysis tools, um, to err on the side of caution, right? And, and say, Hey, we think there's a problem right here. And basically just hope that the, the end user, um, will potentially look at that, that problem and see if it really is a problem in a case. And so, so that's kind of case where you, you have this promise that it's, it's, it's better to, for them to be wrong and say there's a problem and be wrong than to like say there's no problem and not be wrong. You are currently doing some research for the Department of Homeland Security Science and Technology Directorate Cybersecurity Division. Can you share a little bit about your current research project aimed at reducing false positive and static analysis tools? Sure, I definitely can. So so this project came out of some experience I had from other projects where we were trying to understand the quality of different static analysis tools um, and just trying to see exactly, you know, how do these different tools uh, fare against well-known test suites um, to try to analyze, you know, where, where they're, you know, how well they're finding true positive or false positive rates, their false negative rates, understand how different tools fare with, you know, with different aspects of the source code and so forth. And, and from this study, we learned that, you know, many of these tools, you know, we, we, we kind of had some idea that they generate lots of false positives. But we actually learned that, you know, from our, our, our study that these tools generate lots of false positives. Um, and it's basically because of that. One reason is because of, of, like I said, they just rather, they rather err on the, err, you know, rather err on the side of caution. And so this project that I'm working on is basically trying to, uh, reduce false positives or reduce the number of false positives generated by static load analysis tools. Um, this is a project that I've partnered with uh, my colleague, Dr. Adam Porter from University of Maryland College Park. And basically in the, in, in the short, 
this project is really trying to be basically like a spam filter for for statical analysis tools and the false positives that they generate. And although we are applying this in the context of static code analysis tools, we believe this can basically work in other areas such as dynamic code analysis tools and so forth. Um, but the basically general approach is that if you if you're able to reduce the, the code base down to the essence that's causing a false positive, we believe these can become signatures or or code snippets or micro snippets that can help us understand, you know, for a given tool, you know, what is the essence of that false positive? And then basically we can catalog this information such that as we encounter new false positives that pop up, we can eventually cross-reference these false positives with our knowledge base to determine that if what the code developer is is seeing that's generated from a tool where they say, hey, this is a real, this is a, a potential problem. They can then cross-reference that warning or that that error uh, with this knowledge base to, to see, okay, is this really a false positive, right? So just the way spam filters work for mail, you know, basically as new mail comes in, um, the spam filter is able to determine if, you know, that new piece of mail is actually considered spam or not. And the same thing will basically apply in this context where we're able to basically try to filter out these false positives against a knowledge base with the idea with the goal of of trying to you know reduce the number of false positives that that a developer has to actually uh, manage so we're not actually changing the tools we're trying to provide a, a, a tool a methodology that can be that can be incorporated um, and work along with other static code analysis tools or with existing static code analysis tools to hopefully uh, reduce the burden that developers have to uh, experience when they're trying to determine, you know, hey, is this really something I should be concerned about? Now, in the context of the stuff that we've been looking at, it's quite interesting because some of the potential uh, false positive or code snippets that we know that generate false positives, we've been able to map those to well-known software engineering design principles that we teach. Um, which is which is quite interesting in our work because we teach these principles for designing software because they help us you know create scalable solutions that that address you know concerns that with stovepipe and monolithic applications. But yet these tools, we're finding out that when we look at some of the, the structure of these false positives, you know they map to these these common design principles and these tools can't. They're basically a flag in these, you know, these well-known design principles as potential false positives or as, as errors. And we find out that they're actually false positives. So one of the questions I would like to ask you, what recommendations would you give to federal agencies who are interested in or have purchased static analysis tools? What, what, what advice would you give them in terms of how to purchase static analysis tools? Well, so I would say that, you know, different static analysis tools, if you go out there and you do a search for static analysis tools, I mean, you have your, your key commercial ones, you have your open source ones. My advice to, 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 to those vendors are under the BR2 federal government and, and persons that are, are interested in getting static analysis tools, one is just do your homework, you know, do your homework and, and learn that not one tool is going to actually solve your problem. What we're seeing is that you, you actually need to have more than one tool in your, your tool set that can help, you know, identify potential problems because one tool may be really good at looking for one type of vulnerability, where another tool may be really good at looking at vulnerability, you know, another type of vulnerability. And together, those tools actually, you know, they could potentially increase your, your coverage um, in terms of identifying potential vulnerabilities in your source code. So my recommendation is just, you know, don't be set on a single tool, um, but also assume work with with open source tools as well, because those tools many times they're really good in a specific niche. 
um, it's because because unlike the commercial tools, they don't have maybe the, the funds or resources to try to address a lot of different projects, different types of vulnerability that exist. And so they focus on one specific area or a small set of areas. Um, but the only caveat with that approach is that as you start increasing the number of tools that you have in your, your set, um, in your tool set, is that you may sometimes have different tools that give you different discrepancies and so forth. Um, so you just have to be real, real, you know, mindful that you just can't rely on the tool itself to try to find the problems, um, that you need more than one tool to help you try to address the problems. But at the same time, though, you need to basically educate your, you know, your developers and your testers and so forth on, you know, what is it means to do secure coding and, and what does it mean to actually write code that can actually, you know, write source code that can introduce malicious, that can allow for malicious intent and so forth. Um, and a lot of times that just basically boils down to, you know, just educating your, your developers and, and keeping them abreast of, of best practices and so forth. Because in the, the day, you don't want to become reliant on a tool to help solve your problems. Because if you, you know, as we're seeing right now is that if you create really, really bad code, of course, the tool is going, you know, probably not be able to find the problems. Yeah, I think this is where the swamp comes in. It helps uh, lower the bar to formalize aspects of software assurance in organizations. Uh, it does all the tool chain, creates the tool chain and helps uh, developers and, and organizations who want to use many tools, provide them a way to do that. Hey, James, I want to shift focus for a second. One of the things I want to know is in another article that I had for dark reading, uh, it was entitled Re-Innovating Static Analysis, and it listed four steps. Uh, this time uh, I referenced the work that you did with your tool study, as well as some work that was done with NIST as well as NSA Center for Assured Software. Uh, in the article, I talked about how the results of the various tool studies all conclude that static analysis tools are underperforming in many key areas. Can you share what your tool study revealed? One thing we've definitely done with this particular study is that we are in the process of, of finalizing this open source framework uh, where you can basically integrate any static code analysis tool into this, this framework, and then it can be used to, you can then basically run this, this, the, the framework against any code base that has been marked up correctly so that you can then determine, you know, how well that tool is actually doing. Um, but from our study, we definitely saw, you know, things related to metrics that were, you know, step source code metrics that were that were causing um, tools to 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 have several issues and so forth. But yes, we definitely felt like, you know, from the study that we did, that yes, that code analysis tools were were lagging behind um, in a sense. But it, it you can kind of understand the complexity is that software is moving very very rapidly. The complexity of systems that we're building is growing more and more and more. And so they have they need to find you know new ways to try to analyze these these big problems right in a sense right because because now when we build software systems you know if you're just looking at your service based systems I mean they're built from numerous middleware stacks um, and that, those stacks can get very very deep and so the just trying to actually analyze those you know go down as deep as you can that can require a lot of of time. And if you had infinite amount of time, of course, you can probably find all the problems. But many times you don't have infinite amount of time to, to search for these problems. Hey, thanks, Dr. Hill. It's been, it's been great talking to you. But before I let you go, what can we expect from you in 2016? So from me in 2016, you can definitely expect um, some work around the area of, like I said, the framework for the static code, static code analysis tool study and so forth. Um, that's something we're definitely are getting cleaned up so we can get it pushed out. Uh, we think the community will actually love, like to um, get their hands on it. Uh, we think it would be a good contribution to the community, um, as well as just basically uh, 
providing you know the the tools around the the false positive reduction uh, we've already seen some good results with this uh, we're looking forward to being able to to share this with the community as well and we're going to be looking for feedback from the community so that we can you know continue to advance the state continue to address these problems um, but also just let the community know what we're doing we're very excited about this work and and what it is is leading us to and where we're going with it and so you know we're just looking forward to just being able to continue that work and just be able to publish about this so that so that again it's just trying to you know improve the state of the community trying to reduce the burden that these developers are experiencing um, so that basically people do not give up on cycle analysis tools or even dynamic analysis tools right just in general right just not give up on these tools that are helping us find these problems um, and if we if if we can in any shape form or fashion you know improve that experience that these developers are doing then of course it'll make them trust cycle analysis tools more Dr. Hill, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Thank you so much. And thank you. I enjoyed it. Well, I think we have to wrap it up here. I want to thank our guest today, Dr. James Hill. Also want to thank our listeners for tuning in to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives on FedScoot Radio with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, peace. <laughs>